Hello and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast with Nick and Cody. Coming at you uh, with a week two Thursday night football preview and a week one Monday night football recap. Uh, Cody, we sit here on a Wednesday morning. Um, my team at the bottom of the AFC West standings, yours uh, at 1-0, and o, uh, playing tomorrow night in a pretty interesting game with the Chargers and the Chiefs. How do you feel going into week two? Uh, I feel good going into week two. I'm glad that uh, week one is officially in the books. All around, I had an up and down weekend. You know, luckily the Chiefs won, but had a rough fantasy week. And uh, as a collective, our best bets went one and five. So thank goodness that week's behind us, and I'm ready to roll for week two. <laughs> we will refine the process as we go along here. Uh, before I jump into the news and notes, just like to remind everybody to please comment, like, and subscribe on the videos. Five star reviews on Apple Podcasts if you are listening on that platform or anywhere else that you're listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into the news and notes. We've got a lot to get to here. Uh, not a ton uh, yet. It's a little early in the week for some of the injury updates uh, to come through that actually mean anything, but. Uh, a couple that we do have, uh, Chris Godwin, his injury seems to not be as init- uh, as serious as initially feared. Should be out maybe one to two weeks instead of uh, three to four, as they probably thought when he went out originally. Um, I saw this nugget yesterday. I don't really even want to call it news, but I just put it in here because I thought it was funny that Jerry Jones was on a Dallas radio show yesterday, and they said they don't want to put Dak on IR because they think he could be back within four weeks. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really think that that has any merit at all, and I don't think that would be good for Dak even if uh, they, they they brought him back early. But uh, we'll see what happens there. And then uh, Najee Harris should also play this Sunday. I know we kind of uh, got into that a little bit uh, when we originally talked about the injury on Monday, but we weren't sure. Uh, it looks like he uh, is on the way to playing. Uh, definitely keep an eye on him, but uh, the fact that he's even in consideration this week is good news considering how bad that injury looked off the jump. Uh, anything you want to react to with this news or can I get into the Monday night recap, bud? Uh, yeah, so great news for Chris Godwin and Najee Harris and then Jerry Jones and the Dak thing. I mean, this is a similar injury to what Russell Wilson was dealing with last year and he came back early from it and did not have a very good end to his season, so... Um, I think Jerry Jones would just kind of look at that and not put all that pressure on Dak. I would just put him on the IR and let him come back whenever he's fully healthy because that's just – I know that they want to win there and he really wants to win bad, but I don't want Dak out there, you know, playing with a messed up finger. He already doesn't have the strongest arm, and I just – I think that could just be look really bad for him. Yeah, and Cooper Rush really doesn't look horrible when he's played. Uh, I mean, there there are – Certainly worst backups in the league. I think he filled in last year uh, against Minnesota on the Sunday night game and ended up winning it and actually looked okay. So, yeah, I would just let Rush start as well if it was me. But yeah, we'll see. They also how... have a couple They have a couple easy games coming up. So, I mean, if he can keep you around 500, then, you know, in a iffy division, like you're still in the playoff race even if that takes six weeks to come back. So, yeah, I would, I would just let him get fully healthy and not try and just force him back out there because you want to win games. Yeah, the NFC is a little weaker this year, too, as we've talked about before. So definitely could find their way into that six or seven spot uh, if they if Dak comes back to a four and five, five and five squad. So we'll see uh, what happens with Dak there, but uh, just keep an eye on it. Uh, jumping into the Monday Night Football recap, Seattle wins 17-16 at home over the Broncos. Kind of a uh, 
ridiculous game from a few different perspectives. Obviously, everybody talking about the, the field goal decision at the end, which was horrible, but we don't need to go over that. That's been hashed out uh, quite a bit to this point. Um, we're going to start with the fantasy impacts here. I'll start with Denver. Uh, honestly, I mean, I really liked what I saw from the offense. Definitely a little bit of a sluggish start, but uh, Russell Wilson, to begin here, had uh, 340 pass yards, 29 of 42, only one touchdown, uh, only ran one time for two yards. Really didn't play his best game. Could have been picked off a couple times. Kind of got lucky there with a couple dropped interceptions. Um, and really just didn't look incredibly confident throwing the ball down the field. I feel like he usually waits for his routes to develop a little bit more than he did, uh, kind of emphasizing that short passing game. But, uh, you know, obviously 340 pass yards is no number to uh, to snuff at there. And Wilson, I mean, this, this offense just looked good with the playmakers around him. Uh, seems like he's going to have a solid year. I don't have any worries about Wilson. Uh, anything you want to say about Russ before I move on to the running backs? No, you nailed it. I'm not worried about him long term. First game in, you know, a new uniform. Let, let him and the coach kind of get things figured out. They'll be rolling soon enough. And uh, as for the running backs, uh, Kind of an interesting split here. Uh, Melvin Gordon ends up with 12 rushes uh, to Javante's 7. Both of them look solid on the ground. Uh, Javante 7 for 43, Melvin 12 for 58. But the passing game is really where you saw uh, the difference here. Javante 11 of 12 uh, on the catches and targets there for him for 65 yards. Incredible number for a running back. If he sees anywhere near that volume moving forward, he's going to be a great play. Uh, and then Gordon only saw two targets himself, caught both of them 14 yards. But seems like Gordon will still be a uh, flex-level start, but I think Javante is the guy here, especially if he's going to have uh, the third-down roll and, like, two-minute roll exclusively. He's uh, he's definitely going to be a smash play. Um, I was pretty encouraged with what I saw from both of them, honestly. Just if one of them would have gotten in from the one-yard line, this day would look a lot yep. better for both me and them. So, yeah, I mean, that that's a fluky situation that, uh, you know, you can expect at least one of those to turn into a touchdown next time. Uh, anything you want to add on the running backs? No, I think if you got either of these two guys, you're relatively happy. Uh, Javante, you obviously paid up a lot for, and if he's that involved in the passing game, he's going to be insanely valuable. And then if Gordon is, you know, even if he's more 50-50 splitting carries with Javante, I mean, he still looks good enough to put up flex level uh, points. So, I mean, if you got either of these two guys on your team, I think that they it'll pay off for you. Yeah, and not knowing how the split was going to go, I think uh, at this point you're expecting basically a split in the rushing work and then Javante to be heavily featured in the passing game, which is a, a win for Javante owners in my mind. So um, moving on to the wide receiver room, uh, another stock up situation here really for both guys for me. Uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, the higher drafted of the two, didn't end up with a touchdown, but uh, caught four of his seven targets for 72 yards, had another one called uh, a pass interference. Uh, called against him, or excuse me, called against the guy that was guarding him. So he had an extra target in the end zone as well. That doesn't count on the stat sheet. But um, I think Russ targeting his tight ends and running backs a little bit more than usual probably took away from the targets that Sutton and Judy would have seen normally. Uh, but I think their share of the targets in the wide receiver room was very encouraging. They were out there for almost every snap. Um, I think they both looked really good. Uh, and then getting to Jerry Judy... He had four catches on seven targets as well, 102 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he looked great, uh, kind of a broken play there that he scored the 67-yard touchdown on, but he beat his defender clean. Russ really throw, should have thrown him a better ball, but 
Uh, I just think that the uh, the share of targets as as the wide receivers go was encouraging. These two seem like the clear lead guys in this offense. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I'm sure you're really happy with Judy's performance. I see that he helped you uh, secure a win in Week One. So he actually did the same thing for Justin and I in our dynasty league. So. I was very happy to see him uh, score on that broken play. But you said it correctly for both guys, stock up for both of them. Um, I would say Russell Wilson did not play his best game, and both these guys still performed okay. You know, and Corlin Sutton you'd probably like to see a little bit more from, but, you know, he's out on the field, and the more time he gets with Russell Wilson, the more comfortable Russell Wilson gets. His stock's just going to continue going up. I think we both hammered getting one of these two guys on your fantasy roster, and if you didn't, I think you're you're gonna be you're gonna miss out because they they both look really good. And on the Seattle side, um, we're gonna start with Rashad Penny. Uh, Twelve rushes, sixty yards, two catches on three targets for seven yards. Uh, had a couple huge runs called back uh, from holding penalties that would have really helped his stat line in this one. Uh, I think he looked really good. You know, had some explosive runs there especially in the first half the, the entire offense sort of just shut down after halftime but um i think again penny's a good runner uh but he's just going to be limited by this offense uh, especially his upside there so there's only so much rashad penny can do uh, with geno smith at the helm and you're going to have some days where the offense doesn't move much and that's not really anything that you know that's not penny's fault just kind of the circumstance he has Yep, with Rashad Penny, it just comes down to he's going to be a necessity in this offense as long as he's healthy because they're not going to be able to move the ball in in many ways. So um, he's a flex-level player for me, and you know, at this point, I don't think I can move him up into an RB2 category just because this offense could be completely shut down if they played a good defense. So, I mean, they were shut down pretty well against the Broncos. So I I like Penny, but... It's definitely this offense. That offense was not very fun to watch. It it was struggling for most of that game. Yeah, they had a really good game plan. Then they came out uh, was where they were running play action very well. And once the kind of the scripted plays uh, trailed off there towards the end of the second uh, end of the first half and the whole second half, you kind of saw that what Geno Smith's limitations really were. But um, we'll see how it works moving forward. When Ken Walker comes back, I'm certainly concerned about Penny's value. Uh, From the wide receiver room, uh, Metcalf led with uh, seven targets, caught all of them. Only 36 yards, though, and he lost a fumble on one of those as well. Uh, That Again, I think that kind of speaks to Geno Smith. That's really what you're going to get there. Lots of short throws. Didn't really have uh, a ton of confidence letting uh, routes develop downfield. I think you can probably still start Metcalf in a flex level consideration just because he should be the clear lead guy here. He had a tough matchup being shadowed by Patrick Sertan, too. So I think in softer matchups, he will do a little better for you. But um, we'll get to Lockett in a second. But I, I think uh, he's 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 almost off my radar completely. I think Metcalf has at least uh, the, the clear one role here, but still will be limited by uh, Gino. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, DK was definitely the guy they were trying to get the ball to. I mean, they schemed plays to get him the football, so... Um, just unfortunate that he was being shadowed by Sertan for most of that game. And I'm, I agree with you when it comes to Lockett. Um, it's just Geno Smith isn't going to be able to support two wide receivers um, consistently for fantasy football. And it just looked like they wanted to get DK the ball. Um, 
And then one other note, I just want to mention the two tight ends for Seattle that caught touchdowns. I would not jump on either of those because I would still think Noah Fant's the number one guy there. But I say all that to say I don't think I could start Noah Fant if you were trying to start him at all because he isn't the he isn't the only tight end in that room that's going to get some targets. So I think yeah. pass catching options all around for Seattle. DK is really the only guy that I would want to start. 100%. Yeah, Lockett, I'm benching. He's a boom-bust flex at best uh, in a good matchup. But like you said, they had three tight ends, all of whom caught at least two passes. Uh, that's that's just not going to get it done from a fantasy perspective. You need a little more concentration there. So that will wrap up uh, the Monday Night Football section of this recap. We're going to jump into the Thursday night preview for Week 2. This is an incredibly fun game both for uh, football, just overall football perspective, and fantasy. We've got the L.A. Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs here. KC favored by four in this one, over under a very, very juicy 54.5 points. You absolutely love to see that. You want to hammer pretty much anybody in this matchup that you have that is on playable uh, playable ground. They're going to get a bump up just because that over-under is so high. Um my pick for this game, I'm going to take KC and the points. I was kind of surprised after that week one performance. I thought they might be uh, favored by a couple more here. So I think I'll just take the team that looked better in week one. And I'm going to go under 54 and a half uh, just because that's such a huge number. I, my, my betting instinct is always to go under when the, the number's that high. But I would put my confidence at about 6 out of 10 on this one. These are both two really good teams. Uh, I could see this going over, but... 54 and a half is just a big number. So that's where I would go if it was me. How about you, Cody? Yeah, I, I also like the Chiefs minus four. Um, main reason being as good as the Chiefs offense looked on Sunday, their defense actually looked pretty solid against Arizona. Now, a lot of their weapons are banged up or missing time. So, you know, if DeAndre Hopkins and Ronda Moore out there, maybe it's a different story. But I still think that um, their defense looked pretty good. So I like Casey minus four. I'd agree with you on the under. I would completely stay away from that if I was, you know, uh, if I was just making bets, I wouldn't bet the over or under because I com- completely see this being an insane shootout and crushing the 54. Or I could see one of these two defenses having a good game and holding one of the teams to 17 to 20 points and keeping that under very viable. Yeah, it's tough when 34 to 20 is going to go under. That's just uh, that is a, that is a huge number, but with good reason. Like you said, they could go over pretty easily if both these offenses are firing on all cylinders. Uh, let's get to a couple other bets that we like a little more. Um, not quite as many uh, parlays that I saw on DraftKings this week. Uh, you know, after the week one game, I feel like they uh, they don't do quite as many of them. So there wasn't uh, a, a lot that I liked like there was last week. But we're going to get into uh, a couple that I do like. The first one is Mike Williams, anytime TD score at plus 130. That number went up a little bit after last week, but as we've seen with Mike Williams throughout his career, he's very inconsistent. Uh, I I wouldn't change my opinion of him based on last week and and a really high-scoring game without Keenan Allen. I would put uh, the odds of him scoring a touchdown at almost better than 50-50, and you get this number at plus 130, so I like that. Uh, Mahomes and Herbert to each have a 50-plus yard completion is at plus 1,000. That's 10 to 1. Again, really high-scoring game. Both these guys are going to be slinging it, and they're both perfectly capable of completing a long pass, and you only need one from each, and you get a 10-to-1 payout, so I like that one a lot. 
Uh, and then the last one is Mahomes and Herbert, each with two plus pass touchdowns and one rushing or receiving touchdown. That's at plus 2,800, 28 to 1. Again, just a really high scoring atmosphere here. Uh, you're hoping that uh, the variance falls your way there with two passing and one rushing for Mahomes and Herbert. But at 28 to 1, I like that bet. Yeah, 28 to 1. That is a pretty solid bet. Um, one more I want to throw in there Gerald Everett, anytime touchdown score, plus 225. Um, I was just looking at, you know, anytime TD scores, and I felt like he had good odds um, at plus 225, and he should be uh, decently involved in this offense. Now, Mahomes was plus 330. I thought about putting him in there, but. Um, and so I like the parlay that you threw out there because, I mean, I definitely could see Mahomes running one in. Um, Herbert, I don't know if I've really seen Herbert run too many in because, I mean, he can just sling that thing into tight tight corners all day. So, um, but, yeah, Gerald Everett anytime plus 225, and then I'll throw Mahomes out there at plus 330 also. I think both those are good bets. Yeah, I like the Chargers guys this week. doesn't seem like the lines have adjusted too much with Allen probably being out, so you could take advantage right. of that. Uh Jumping into the individual player previews here, we're going to start with the Chargers. Uh, quarterback position, Justin Herbert, you're absolutely starting him. No questions there. Uh, same with the running back room, Austin Eckler, a little bit of a down week one. Uh, snap share was a little concerning. Didn't play quite as much as he did last year, but again, it's a one-game sample. He's the lead guy. You're definitely playing him. And uh, in the wide receiver room, our decision becomes a little easier with Keenan Allen likely missing this one. Uh, Mike Williams had a tough, tough week one. Only uh, two catches for 10 yards on four targets. But again, you are absolutely starting the, the number one wide receiver for Justin Herbert in a game with a 54 and a half over under. Uh, there's just too good of an odd. Uh, Mike Williams could win you your week before Sunday starts here uh, pretty easily. And... I just think that uh, his target volume is going to come up after a down week one, and then uh, I'm going to get I'm going to mention Josh Palmer, and then I'll let you comment on the the Chargers guys that I've mentioned so far. Uh, Josh Palmer, yep. I really like this week as well. Again, had a really down week one, only four targets, three catches for five yards, but um, he should be super involved. His snap share was very high after Keenan Allen left the game last week. He's going to be on the field and probably the number two target in this offense. Uh, and again, really high over under. This is somebody you can kind of take advantage of because he didn't have a huge week one. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, all smash starts. Um, and then Josh Palmer, if you need a flex play in a deep league, I think he's another guy who could actually have a pretty big week this week. Um, and yeah, like Nick was saying, I mean, he was out there quite a bit whenever – Keenan went down and he didn't have that great of a week one. So he's going to have to be, you know, I would imagine he has to be more involved. Um, the other options that caught touchdowns on Sundays, I would not be worried about flexing either of them. I would just stick with Williams and Palmer out of the wide receiver room. Yeah. Deandre Carter, <clears throat> kind of the, the name that I've seen mentioned a few times uh, this week, but he didn't even play close to half the snaps, uh, got three of his four targets, ended up catching a couple touchdowns. But again, that, that seems like more of a fluke than anything else. I'd go with the guys that are on the field consistently here in Mike Williams and Josh Palmer. Uh, and then same with Gerald Everett, uh, especially with Keenan Allen out. He scored a touchdown last week, did Everett, got four targets. Uh, he looks like a low-end starter right now. He's just sort of risen to the top of that uh, streaming category that we've talked about so much with these tight ends. So... I think he's a fine starter for now. Uh, you can ride him while he's hot, and then you know we'll probably be moving off him to somebody else in a couple weeks, just because that's the way these tight ends go. But for now, he's a, he's a good start. 
Anything yep, you want to add on absolutely. Everett? No, I think you said it perfectly. I think he's at the uh, the top part of that streaming tier right now. And uh, because I'm feeling a little generous today, Cody, I'm going to go ahead and let you take the lead on your boys from Kansas City. All right, start them all. They're going to dominate. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mahomes, you're obviously going to start him. He had an amazing week one, looked insane. I thought he might try and throw for eight touchdown passes, but uh, he, he won. He won. Ugh. Winded it down after just five. So um, should be, again, another high-scoring game. He should definitely be um, in your lineup. And then Clyde, this is, we're going to have a little bit of a, diff, a differing opinion here. I think Clyde is definitely a solid RB2 start. Um, now, this is my belief. Andy Reid doesn't have very many running backs that are just great because they rush the ball a bunch. He loves to throw the ball. It's really what he designs his offense around, and Clyde can catch the ball out of the backfield with the best of them. Um, in a neutral game script, I think Clyde's going to get most of the work out there. So if this is supposed to be a close game, high-scoring game, I think Clyde could have another electric week. And then the other running backs, Pacheco or McKinnon, they're not bad, but I don't think Pacheco's touching the field very much unless it's a blowout like last week. And McKinnon is the clear backup in my eyes to Clyde. So... Clyde's a smash play, and then Pacheco and McKinnon I'm going to hold on for right now. Uh, but, Nick, go ahead and tell me why I'm wrong on Clyde. Uh, last week's kind of tough for me uh, just because it's really tough to judge the game uh, between the Chiefs and the Cardinals because the Chiefs were up so quickly and were kind of controlling the game throughout. So I don't really know how to interpret these snap numbers that I have in front of me, but uh, what I do see is a little concerning. Clyde and Jarek McKinnon basically split snaps right down the middle for the whole first half. Um, and again, it could have been because they were up uh, a couple touchdowns in the second quarter, so they gave McKinnon a series that they wouldn't have given him otherwise. But uh, Clyde ends up with seven carries and four targets. Uh, Jarek McKinnon gets four carries and four targets. So not an incredibly big difference there for me. I just want to see uh, what they do if they have a closer game here throughout, and uh, especially on third downs and in the red zone. If Clyde is the guy there uh, more often than not, then you're probably going to have a solid RB2 here. But if he's splitting time with McKinnon right down the middle, it's going to be tough for him to be consistent week to week. You're probably looking at more of a flex play. So I think we'll just have to see what happens when they have a little bit of a closer game here. And then, yeah, like you said, Pacheco basically did not play at all until the game was completely out of hand in the fourth quarter. So I'm not worried about his large carry number. That was basically all because of the blowout. But McKinnon does scare me a little bit because he was playing uh, basically equal time with Clyde in the first half. Yep. So I will, I mean, I do understand where you're coming from with that. I will say as someone who had a prop bet on Clyde over rushing yards, they took him out of the game basically middle of the second quarter because he, his rushing yards did not go up more than, I think his rushing attempts went up one more time after the middle of the second quarter. So it was like garbage time for the Chiefs for, you know, the entire second half plus, you know, half of the second quarter as well so that's why i think if it's neutral if it's a close game they're going to want to have clyde out there but um we'll see this should be the game that we can kind of test this series uh theory and see how it kind of plays out yeah hopefully closer to the end and you get a better idea of how they really wanted to buy these snaps up between these guys so uh for sure hopefully the chargers can hold up their end of the bargain uh but moving on to the wide receiver room here uh juju was the clear lead guy in week one as far as targets go Um, I'd still put him in the solid flex play uh, range just because, again, uh, I'm not incredibly sure how they want to divvy up these targets just because they did not, uh, didn't play a competitive game last week for 
about two thirds of it. So it's just tough to know exactly how they want to run this thing with uh, such limited um, opportunity to see them in competitive game uh, so far. But Juju ended up with eight targets, had six catches, uh, had about, I think it was 79 yards. He had a really solid day, and in a really high over-under game, he gets a little bit of a bump up as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm playing Juju if you have him, and he was your starter before. Uh, but, again, I'm just really watching the uh, the, the target number here, and if it if it's going to – I just I, my fear is that it yo-yos between him and MBS and Nicole Hardman, but we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, my biggest concern with Juju so far is how involved McCole Hardman was in the offense for a guy who was basically forgotten about fantasy-wise. I mean, McCole was... If McCole could have caught three passes that he basically just barely missed off his fingertips, McCole would have had the best wide receiver uh, day out of this wide receiver room. So um, that's probably my biggest concern just because he has been with Mahomes for the past couple years. But if you drafted Juju, you know, he... You probably overdrafted him a little bit. You know, we were both a little bit off on him, so we kind of told you to lay off. But if you got him, I would start him in your flex. I would say I have him just barely over Palmer, but him and Palmer are going to be very close to me. I was just about to ask you, both these guys kind of in that flex range coming into the day, uh, would you go with Palmer or Juju? You just answered that question with Juju slightly ahead. Uh, would you change your answer based on format, or would you have Juju slightly ahead in, uh, in all of them? Um, I think I would have Juju ahead in half point and full point PPR. Maybe in um, non-PPR, I would go Palmer just because his odds of finding the end zone are probably higher than Juju's. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I think I would agree uh, with that last point, but I would probably take Palmer just because I'm more assured of his status in this offense, uh, especially with Allen out yep. um, probably being the one or the two uh, in in targets there without a clear leader like Travis Kelsey. And then, you know, to mention Kelsey real quick, you're obviously starting him as well. He's basically the only tight end that did anything in week one that was uh, expected to do something coming in. So uh, he looks more valuable than ever uh, at this point in the season. And yeah, I would think I would go Palmer over Juju, but just slightly, they're both kind of in the same range. Yep. And then Hardman and MVS, if you're in a deep league, I'm holding on to him. I wouldn't drop him unless there's somebody out there that you really want. But um, at this point, you just kind of got to see how that how that wide receiver room plays out, if it ever plays out. All three of these guys may just be kind of flex dart throws every week, but that's also why they were going towards the end of draft. So, um, yeah, the wide receiver room still muddy, but hopefully we can you know get a little bit of clarity even if it's just one in juju you know it'd be nice to have at least one patrick mahomes wide receiver you feel confident starting in fantasy football yeah 100 percent um i think uh that's going to do it for what i have to say on the thursday night football game here cody do you want to add anything else before we get out of here yeah i just want to say uh thank you to anyone who has supported our podcast in one way or the other uh we're really wanting and working to build this thing up as big as possible so if you do have any feedback please feel free to let either of us know we would love to hear it and then lastly any way you could help spread the podcast and help us grow we would really appreciate it um but other than that uh, enjoy thursday night football we'll be coming at you with a full week two preview episode on friday so be make make sure to listen to that over the weekend so that way you are ready to go for sunday but nick i am uh i'm ready to get out of here man i will talk to you soon talk to you guys soon all right peace out everybody